One of these days we always stand in judgment for every single word that we have spoken. One of these days we always stand before the Lord, give a reason for Trust in Jesus, less than the your hands up high and praise the Lord tonight. Tell him that you trust in him. Cry out to him, call out to him. 
Well, hello, everybody. I see y'all. Hope you're doing well. Uh, if you want, stand up. We'll pray and we'll sing. Thank you, Father, for this day, for this time we have together, um, for this place to meet in. And uh, we just uh, lift this morning up to you. Pray may everything be for your glory, for your kingdom. Um, give us the ears to hear the, the word today. Uh, you're speaking to us. God, help us surrender to you more and more each day. We love you and we praise you. Joyful, joyful, we adore you, God of glory, Lord of love. Hearts unfold like flowers before you, opening to the sun above. Melt the clouds of sin and sadness, drive the dark of doubt away. Before y'all sit down, uh, turn around, give somebody an air high five, say, good morning. (laughs) 
This morning we have a couple announcements for you. Uh, middle school and high school will not meet tonight. We had a youth explosion last night. Um, it was a watch party, um, but it was a fun time. We, we got to hear the word of God and, and got to have some good fellowship, eating some pizza and hostess cakes, so that's always good. Um, but we will meet next week, um, November 26th, for our annual Friendsgiving. Um, we are accepting donations. There's a donation list in the back. Um, but we're going to have all the fixings, a lot of games, a lot of fun. Um, so if you know anybody interested, uh, point in my direction. Also, Chris, Operation Christmas Child boxes are due back today. Um, if you forgot it, bring it back tomorrow or contact Brittany at the office. Um, next one is um, out of love for one another, we are requesting and asking that we keep our masks on in the building um, while we're in service and stuff just for everybody um, just so that we can be safe and um, at all times next is our congregational meeting which will be december 13th following the service if you're unable to be in person contact your office and we'll get the documents and any other information that will allow you to participate in that um, and then the last one is if you're looking for a way to serve a way to do something for christmas Brightside project is collecting for their bright christmas toy drive there is a trash can in the office, in the studio, I mean, um, that you can bring your donations of toys, um, and they'll be accepting donations until December 14th. And that's all I have. You guys can have a seat, and all the kids will go downstairs and have some fun talking about giving thanks. Oh, that probably helps out, doesn't it? Yeah, I always do that. Give me just start that all over, or did you hear me? Okay, good, good, okay. Well, um, so uh, we um, need to keep him lifted up in our prayers because he's been doing a lot uh, for our church, uh, for his work, and, and certainly for his family. And uh, I know that um, they've had some uh, challenges uh, with, um, with, 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 with Coleman and just want to keep him lifted up as well. Uh, and, uh, and, and just so grateful uh, for um, his faithfulness. Uh, and yours as well, because this has not been an easy time to make sense of. It's been a difficult year for all of us, and I know a lot of us uh, go through each week asking questions of God that are kind of open-ended, like, you know, why is this thing just continuing to go on and on and on? And uh, a lot of us are finding that our own dark side and the dark side of people around us, uh, because this has gone on for so long, has come out. And sometimes we need to just take a break and we need to hit the pause button. I was fortunate enough this week to go hiking with, uh, with some friends uh, in the early part of the week. And it was so good to have a phone that couldn't get any information from anywhere. So I just turned it off and for a few days just had silence from my electronic devices. And I can't tell you how uh, peaceful that was. And perhaps one of the highlights of the hike was whenever we were uh, sitting around the fire when we got to our lean-to, uh, all five of us, and we were just... Uh, enjoying the fact that we could just sit after hiking for about five miles and taking a load off and allowing our weary bones on what was a beautiful, beautiful uh, Sunday, Monday, and, and Tuesday morning. Uh, it was just exceptional, and I praise the Lord for that. And, and <clears throat> as I was able to experience that, uh, sitting around the campfire was probably the highlight, <clears throat> literally. And we, we got to our, our destination, we ate supper, and we started the fire uh, right around 5 o'clock, and then about 5.30, it got dark. And then about 6.45, everybody's like, you know, it kind of feels like it's about 9 o'clock out. And it was only 6.45. And we thought, well, it's a little early to go to bed. Uh, so we, we hung out till about 9 o'clock, so 
four hours staring at a fire. And I don't know if you've ever stared at a fire or not, but there is something about fire that's pretty fascinating at times. Uh, and uh, last night, um, we had a bunch of brush in our burn pile, and my wife said, it's going to rain and the wind's going to blow. You probably need to burn that. And so I lit it on fire, and we sat out on the deck, and I was watching the fire, and I just kept looking at it. It kept cat catching my attention. And as it did, I was seeing things in the fire. You ever look at fire and say, oh, there's something, there's an image forming and I don't know if it's just you and your imagination and what you're thinking about, you project on it, or you see something that is there that, uh, that has nothing to do with your imagination. Well, one thing that I wanted to look at this morning was a time where Moses was really checking out from a lot of drama that he had in his own life. And, uh, of course, we read the story of Moses in the book of Exodus in the Old Testament. And he's a key biblical figure that has so much to say about leading people uh, to faraway places and doing so under times of great uncertainty and distress and religious and political persecution and on and on it goes. And so while this season has been happening, I've, I've gone back and forth to his experiences and tried to relate to some of the things that he went through. And I want to take you to the opening part of the book of Exodus in chapter 3, to the time where he has, uh, he's already gone through several identities. And by that I mean he started out life as a Hebrew who was being um, uh, basically called to be put to death as a, as a young Hebrew child by Pharaoh. And then he was adopted into Pharaoh's family, so he became an Egyptian. And then at some point in his adulthood, he became aware that there was injustice in the world, and he, he, he killed an Egyptian. And therefore, he went from being a Hebrew to an Egyptian to a fugitive on the run, and he landed uh, some distance away from Egypt in a place called uh, Midian, where he spent about 40 years wearing the hat of a shepherd. And as he was tending sheep about his 40th year, he's out in the desert, and he has an encounter that is life-changing. And so I want to draw our attention to... Um, uh, a moment in his life where everything around him, all the distractions and all the noise and everything is gone, and it's just him in the desert with the sheep, just doing all of that stuff that a shepherd does to try to be gainfully employed in that role. And this is what happens. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Now, there is a whole lot going on in this passage that I think actually has a lot of relevance for all of us in the room as uh, we think about our own life here on earth, our own sense of we're not sure where our lives are going, or we're not sure how 2020 is going to unfold. We just have a lot of question marks in front of us. And maybe we've just settled like Moses has with just being in the wilderness until the wilderness period is over, and then we'll go on. 
But in the process, you and I are probably thinking a lot about our own lives, our own identities, our own roles, because every part of our lives has been disrupted, hasn't it? And the work that we do is not exactly like the work that we did a year, year before. And they talk about how in this year, everything has to be recalibrated in light of how things have changed. If it's doing remote work to wearing masks and, and perhaps even more hazmat-oriented stuff if you're in healthcare, to um, uh, looking at the economy or the prospects and saying, you know, things, things are changing and I can't quite get a handle on it. And in all of this disorientation, there's something about it that causes us to just kind of second-guess everything and maybe even ourselves. And that's why I think it's good to pay attention to this story. As Moses is um, just doing his own thing, God shows up. And he shows up right in front of him in the ordinary, in the everyday. And it's a dramatic story. Some people say it's a miracle. Some people say it's not. And so let's just kind of review a little bit your knowledge of deserts. Okay, how many of you have ever been to the desert? Okay, and those of you who have been to the desert, have you ever seen a bush spontaneously combust? No. Do you think it's, it's a possibility? Yes, no, maybe? Well, believe it or not, it is a scientific possibility that when the desert gets so, so dry and those bushes get uh, so, so depleted from any moisture at all, that just the simple brushing up against the bush from an animal and static electricity that is generated can, can throw a spark into that bush and send it into uh, uh, just a burst of flame. And that'll get your attention, won't it? Can you imagine being like an antelope and you're just kind of traipsing around in the desert and all of a sudden, boom, that bush just lit up and the fire just about singed half the side of your hide. Now, I, I, I know there are a lot of dangers in the, in the desert, um, but, you know, when I look at the desert from just driving down the road in my car, I'm like, there's nothing out there. But they say that if you pay careful attention to everything that is going on in the desert, that it is just teeming with life and activity. And as it would turn out, bushes that spontaneously combust. And so Moses was in the desert, and I'm sure he saw a lot of things from lizards to scorpions to um, watering holes to uh, the different kinds of wildlife to the different types of plant life. And I'm sure he was well aware of what that world was all about. But sometimes you can kind of get lost in your head and not really see what is happening in front of you. And Moses was just doing his job, not really thinking much about what was happening in front of him, not realizing that in everything that was happening in his life, his past, which involves actually a, 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 a murder, um, and everything that he had in terms of his own role and his identity and all of the changes that have occurred, he's not aware that God is still active in his life in a way that no matter what is going on, God has still got something in store for him and for you and I. As Moses is paying attention to this bush that burst into flame, he gets a little curious and he starts to walk towards it. And when he does, he's captivated by the, the fire. And so let's just, let's just kind of stop right there for a second and imagine that we are watching a fire. I know I have a video of a fire. Let's just put one up there right now. There you go. Let's just take a look. Doesn't that look so peaceful? There's just something about watching a fire that 
I don't know, there's always like, it's always changing. The, the, the logs, they, you know, they fall down and the, the draft changes and the flames start to go in different directions. It's very dynamic. And when Moses was watching the fire, he notices something. That the logs, the logs aren't doing anything. They are, well, not the logs, the bush, rather, the, the stems from the bush, they are just, they're, 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 they're just remaining intact. When they should have been completely consumed and the fire should have gone out, it just carries on. And he's, he's drawn into it, and it is something that happens periodically, he knows, but this is even more different because it is not being consumed. And so there are people who look at this event and they say one of two things. It is either a miracle or it isn't. And I want to explore for a second what it would mean if it wasn't a miracle. It's just an everyday occurrence of something burning, but then God shows up. And the emphasis, some writers say, isn't on the fact that it's not burning up. It's on the fact that God is made visible in this encounter. The angel of the Lord shows up. The messenger of the Lord shows up in the name of the Lord. And then the conversation begins. I want to stop right there because this has a lot to do with the fact that God's got Moses' attention. And one thing that I do know about this season that we live in is that I'm not entirely convinced that God has everyone's attention in the midst of it. But I do believe that God wants our attention so that we can understand what we need to receive from him. Now, Moses is looking at this bush, and it's for more than just a minute it's, it's sort of like he's drawn into it. And he's just almost in a meditative state. And if you read the, the text in the, in the original language, it's sort of a slower process than the, than the six verses lead it to, to become. In that state of just slowing way down and paying attention, then God speaks. Now, I'm sure that when it comes to your life and your awareness of God being in front of you, you're paying attention, right? Or are you like the people here that um, uh, are, are uh, somehow disconnected from the world around them? So let's, let's show that. Just lighten it up a little bit. Okay, I know this is a public service announcement. However, let's hope that never happens in our parking lot out there. 
But just looking at that, where did, where did, where did this whole thing break down for them? They weren't paying attention. They had no awareness whatsoever of what was happening. And there were a series of things that happened in uh, those particular individuals. What were some of the things that, um, that you saw that were kind of funny? Falling in the water, you know, that's kind of harmless. What did you see that was scary? There was a bear. Did you see anything else? Snake. What else? Subway, that was bad. Walking in the truck, dangerous. Falling in a hole, yeah. All of those are hospital worthy. Did anybody see the tire come off of the vehicle? That one, Chuck, of course Chuck did. Chuck works at a tire place. He's like, that was a Goodyear... Um, uh, 275R17, load rating 10. I don't know. Well, obviously, not paying attention can be pretty hazardous in that sense. And one of the biggest challenges that I have as a pastor is the fact that I, I am competing with this. But it's not so much me competing with this, it is God is competing with this. And if it wasn't hard enough to get our attention whenever we didn't have those things, it's got to be incredibly hard when it's a whole different version of reality. And I think what the text is drawing us into is the fact that God is, if, if you, let's just take the view of this isn't a miracle, at least that part of it. God is in the everyday. He's all around us. And a lot of times, just like that angel showed up in the burning bush and spoke the very words of God, God is actually speaking through us and to us through one another. I don't know if you've ever had that happen before, but it's a pretty regular thing for God to... To, to, to impress something on one of us and we say it to somebody else around us and we're not even realizing their thought just showed up in my head and we discover that, that a person around us says, you know what, that was very helpful. I needed to hear that right now. Or, they, or maybe they said, I really didn't want to hear that from them. It kind of put me off, but they were Right. And the reason why we come to those conclusions is that we're willing to entertain the prospect that God is speaking or using us as his own messengers. I really believe that that's one thing the Holy Spirit does in, in your life and mine is enables us to kind of hear some of the things that God wants us to say to other people. And we say it, and maybe we don't even realize that process is going on. Or maybe somebody's saying something to us, and we don't go so far as to think, maybe God was behind that. And I think the reason why the burning bush, in that sense, is helpful is because Moses is drawn into it, and all of his attention from everything around him that was a distraction is focused on that I would tend to believe it's a miracle because it is not burning and that fire is not consuming that bush like it ordinarily would and that's enough to say hey wait a minute something's going on here have you ever started a fire have you ever had a pyrotechnic part of your life or your interested in fires. I was just talking to uh, my friends when I was hiking last week about, yeah, about third grade, uh, I discovered matches, and my friends discovered them too, and we started just kind of burning little things because fire was so interesting. Well, the one time we set something on fire and the fire trucks came, we knew that we'd probably taken it too far. And to reinforce the point, to get my attention, my dad also made it clear 
that you'll never do that again. And he had my attention, and I decided I would find other interests after that. But there is something about just a spark that gets our attention, but then it's gone. And if you ever start a fire, you do need a spark, and it, it, gets, it, it, it kind of draws you to that, but if it doesn't go anywhere, then you're moving on. And if you want to do it right, you get some kindling, and you start a small fire with a, with a spark or with a lighter, and you allow that kindling to kind of take shape, and a wind comes, and it blows it out, and then your attention is gone. But let's say all those factors work together, and then all of a sudden, there's combustion, and that combustion is creating enough heat that the wood starts to, starts to, starts to take on the flame, and then pretty soon you know you got it. And that becomes a consuming fire. And when God says, I am a consuming fire, it can mean a lot of things. One of them is he's worthy of our respect and our attention. And Moses is being drawn into something that is a lot larger than him because he's now paying attention. And what happens in the story is it goes from seeing to now listening and hearing. And what God is doing actually is calling Moses, now that he's got his attention, to something that he never saw coming. And that was to take uh, the oppressive hand of Pharaoh and turn it against him and lead thousands upon thousands of his fellow Israelites out of Egypt and as it would turn back to this desert where he's having this encounter with God. He never saw that common. And God who took a guy who was in an identity crisis and basically trying to flee from his past and had lots of regrets in the rearview mirror is all of a sudden telling Moses, I've got something for you to do. I'm not done with you yet. You know how old Moses was at this time? Anybody want to take a guess? About 80. 80. So anybody here about 80 or so? God's not done with you yet, I just want to tell you. And this was the biggest chapter of his, of, his, of his earthly career, getting ready to open up. I look at this moment that we're in right now, and I think God's asking you and I, do I have your attention? Because I believe, and I've experienced this myself, I have a dark side like everybody else. I can get cranky. I can get to that place where I'm not following through on things. I can get where I am. I'm, I'm, I'm ADD. I can get where I'm not aware of what other people have going on in their lives. All of those things I know that I'm capable of doing. When I'm in a healthy place, I usually have a pretty much an order, and I get things done, and I pay attention, and I listen, and I do all of the things that are within the makeup of my personality. But what I've discovered is that each of us in this moment, our, all of our dark sides have come to the surface. We are shorter with each other. We are more offended easier. We are frustrated at a hair trigger. And speaking of trigger, we are triggered by so many things right now. And I think it's when we are in our dark side that God's saying, I want you to pay attention to that because that's something that we need to work on right now. And I really believe that when Moses spent years 40 to 80 in the wilderness, God had been kind of working on that, causing him to think about what happened in Egypt, where it broke down, why somebody got killed. 
And I really think that he just used the circumstances of life to bring the good, the bad, and the ugly of his own self to the surface. And I also believe that when God said, I want you to lead my people out of Egypt from an oppressive Pharaoh, I almost think Moses was saying to himself, I think I'm ready for that. If we don't pay attention to what God is doing in the story of our lives, pay attention to our dark side, pay attention to our past mistakes and our past regrets, pay attention to God's word and ask the question, God, how can I, how can I become the person that I need to become based on the wisdom of your word? If you're doing that, my guess is that perhaps the next step in your life, like it was for Moses, where he turned from looking to listening, is that God may be calling you to do something on the other side of 2020 that you hadn't thought possible. He may be calling you into a new chapter. I suspect he wants to. But if we're not paying attention, he can want all day long, but we will be so willful that we're not even aware. There's a lot going on in this text for sure. And when God says to Moses through the angel, take your sandals off, this is holy ground, it was a way of saying, do I have your attention? Because what I'm getting ready to share with you, I need your undivided, total focus on what's getting ready to happen. And you really have to be positioned for that. Moses spent 40 years in the wilderness doing what? Shepherding sheep. Behind me is a picture of our Lord, a depiction as what kind of, what role does he have there? He's a shepherd. And there's something about the way the shepherding life unfolds that parallels so much with what Moses is getting ready to do that God said, it's time. You're ready. You're not even aware that I've been working in your life this whole time. You're not even aware that I know you have desires and aspirations for things to be right and good and you're also not aware that you're forgiven. That my grace is sufficient. That despite what you've done, I still have, I still have a purpose for your life. And I have to think that all of those things began to sort of crystallize in Moses' mind as he came to that, that moment. This is known as Moses' calling, where the voice of God, maybe for the first time, it was an audible, it was, a, it was an audible awareness that God is speaking. The good news is he didn't have the Bible like we have it today. He didn't have a book that he could open up and say book, chapter, and verse. This is what I know about who God is and what he's done. He had bits and pieces and stories, and he knew that he was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He knew his family storyline. But now we have the word of God where God can speak to us in a, in, in, in a more perhaps complete way. All the more reason why he needs our attention. 
Now, I don't know what we're moving into beyond 2020, but I would like to think that as you and I have persevered in our faith, persevered in our church attendance, persevered in our relationships, that I can tell you there have been times that I know we haven't gotten along real well, but we've stuck it out. And I believe it's because God has something greater in store for us on the other side of the horizon, just around the bend. And I want to be ready for that. I don't know if it's going to be epic like the Exodus, but I think God's not going to waste this crisis. That he's going to use it redemptively. I think God can use it to help you and I to perhaps be more aware of our own dark side, be aware of our own shortcomings so that we can show grace and humility to other people recognizing that we all need forgiveness. I think God is showing us that we don't get along very well without first getting along with him. Because our egos being what they are, we tend to put either what we want or what we are afraid of first. And it is either pursuing desire or pursuing self-preservation that drives us through life. And in the end, we get sideways with other people, just like Moses. But when God called him, he said, I want you to not put your will first, but I want you to put my will and my purposes first. Not unlike when Jesus said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all that stuff that you're afraid of and all that stuff that you want, well, in a proper way and in the, the way that God intended it, God will provide it for you. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Well, at the, at the end of this encounter, there's a couple of things that I, I, I would just like to draw, draw your attention to as I bring it to a close. One is, I'd like for all of us to ask the question, am I paying attention to what's going around me. And if I am, is God saying anything to me through other people or through the Word of God? And if He is, what is God calling me to do for the people I care about and for the people He cares about? And I would say that if you can just follow those questions, you will probably discover God's calling upon your life. I had a friend, he's, he, he called me this week. And he said, Pastor Leonard, I need to talk to you about serving the Lord. And he's, he comes from a Catholic background, and he's getting ready to get married, and he's serious. And I'm like, so I know you're a Catholic, but I also know you're kind of open to what we've shared as Protestants. And you're kind of leaning towards a full-time vocation. As far as I know, I don't think you can be married and be a priest in, that, in, in the Catholic Church. And he said, I know, I've been frustrated by that because I know God's calling me to have a family. But I also know that even though I grew up in a Catholic family, my dad was a Baptist before he met my wife, who was a Catholic, and so I'm open to going to a, a Protestant church. And I said, well, maybe we're, we're getting somewhere here. And I said, I said, Alex, I said, you have a desire within you that God has basically been poking and prodding you with for a long time, haven't you? And he said, yeah, and I said, have you always paid attention to that? And he said, no, I haven't. And yet he keeps doing it and he keeps getting my attention and I keep realizing that he has something 
in mind for my life, but I'm not sure what to do or where to go. He said, that's why I'm, I'm calling you, Pastor. And I said, I don't know that God's necessarily calling you, Alex, to be a priest, given the fact that you're going to be getting married soon. I don't even know if he's calling you to be a pastor. But I do know this. He is calling you to be a part of a body of people that love him. And I believe this. If you spend time in the Word, and if you spend time listening to the, the people around you, and you spend a little bit of time reflecting on that thing that you feel like you need to do as a Christian, you'll find your answer. It's a process. Moses' call was pretty dramatic, no question about it. But I think the things that we have in common, like crisis and uncertainty, and even role and identity uncertainty, the notion that there is a God, but I'm not sure quite who he is or how he fits, I think all of us can say we've struggled with that. And I just hope that in experiencing this text together, maybe it's opened our eyes to what's in front of us, namely God. And maybe it's opened our ears to the fact that he's calling each of us in some way. It may just be into a relationship which started here with Moses, and it can start here in worship. And I know during COVID, I've been, I've been, I, I've been pleasantly surprised at the number of people I've been able to baptize during the week and stuff like that. I've been pleasantly surprised about people being open to hearing the word of God. And maybe God's doing that in your life, and it's just his way of saying, I want to call you into a relationship so we can begin. And perhaps that's the calling on your life right now. Or God may be saying, I want, you to, I want to call you out of sort of this stupor that you're in and bring your attention to this or that. And maybe God's been doing that. Perhaps God's calling you to a new chapter, a new thing that you've never done before but you feel that prompting. And so I'm just going to pray right now and invite him into this part of our reflecting time and just ask him to work in our hearts. Would you bow with me? Father, as we end our time in seeing this encounter and reflecting upon what it means as we would look even upon a fire transfixed, Father, we know that you are there and we know that despite the storm that we are going through in our world, that you have always been there. That we don't even recognize that that holy ground is in a lot more places than we first thought. And I just thank you, Father, for being faithful with, with us in the midst of our fear and our desire and our uncertainty. I thank you, Father, for drawing us into places of worship like this and online where we can meditate on what's in front of us for a, enough time that we avoid the dangers and we see the possibilities. I pray, Father, that you'd awaken us as a church to those things that are clearly in your line of sight but we are yet tuning into. I pray for everyone here as we recognize that our callings have different phases. And please, Father, if there's anyone here that you are inviting into a relationship, that you would, you, you would, you, you would help us to receive that invitation and walk towards you and perhaps walk towards you in baptism and in confession and in a way of life that follows your son. And Father, I just want to pray for our church, those who have been engaged in being part of your family for so long that we've sort of lost sight of who we are, that you would rekindle our understanding 
of what we are called to do as we love you with all of our heart and we love our neighbor as ourselves. Give us a fresh zeal for that calling, Lord. And Father, I just pray for us as a church that we would have a role beyond 2020 in a way that perhaps would be a chapter that we've never seen before. So help us, Lord, to step into that calling as we lift you up in our hearts and our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Jerry, would you come up and lead us to the Lord's table? pretty confident that uh, if if all of us, I know myself asked, or if I asked you, asked Moses about change, he would say, change is hard. Life brings lots of changes, but God is good. And I think of all the things that are the same, the same God, the same God of his fathers, same God of our fathers, the same sacrifice, the same table invitation, the same emblems to reflect upon, the same Savior, and we will have change and it will be hard. We have the same consistent, loving God, Father. Please bow as we go to this table. Father, as we as we come to this table and we just ask that uh, once we, we want to thank you for the invitation. Just lift up all those who received that call. Come forward. It's not about the meal. It's never been about the meal. It is about the relationship about you drawing us closer to yourself. And I just ask that we know we need strength sometimes just to continue on. We just find that strength through your grace, your blessing, through your personal invitation to us. Close. I'd like you to bless these, these emblems, the juice and the bread. Give us the strength. Draw us closer to you. In your son's name I pray. And 
your worthiness. I thank you for the message that we heard today. I thank you. Moses drew close. Um, the time that he noticed and the time that he got as close as he would, the bush should have been burnt up. But you are an undying light. And none of us are good in and of ourselves. We take notice because you have done an amazing work in the gospel of Jesus Christ paying the price for our sins, rising that we might have eternal life. 
We could spend our lives looking into this, and so may we. May you help us along the way that we might have a deeper love for you. Because the same one who spoke to Moses from the bush was the same one who put on flesh and took our place on the cross. You're an amazing God, and you are worthy. It's for your wonderful name we give thanks for all that you have done, are doing, and will do in our lives. Amen. All right, we'll see you soon. Go get your kids.